Hi, from professional migrant women, we are Catalina, Tyler, Lorena, and you are listening to the Undefeated Podcast. Everyone involved in this podcast would like to acknowledge that these stories were told and shared on unceded land. We pay our respects to the many traditional custodians of the land on which we are fortunate to live, love, work, and thrive. This is the podcast that unfolds the stories from migrant women who, against all odds, overcame the challenges and barriers of living in a foreign land. We hope the story you're hearing today inspires you to continue to show up, take space, and embrace who you are. Hi, I'm Lorena Duranthon, and today I have the honor to have Anna Asanovic in our podcast, one of the co-authors of the book Undefeated. Hi, Anna, how are you? Good, Lorena. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Anna came alone to Melbourne in July 2016. She works as a senior communication advisor and is passionate about writing and projects that make a difference. Thank you, Anna, for being here. Now let's sit and relax and hear your story. The door. She's invited to a party. Not just any party, but the best party in the world. Everyone wants to be there. With a golden ticket in her cold arms, she arrives. The house is there and it's huge. But where is the entrance? She can't see the door. It's windy and pouring down as she approaches the front of the house. Her face is red from the wind, the clouds are matching her grey coat, and within minutes it will be dark. How do I get in? She raises her gaze. In the distance, through one of the large top floor windows, she sees the party where people are having fun. They're joking and laughing, unaware of the people in the rough weather outside, hoping to get in. She starts walking around the house walls. Could this be the entrance? She grabs the first handle she sees. It's locked. Another door. She knocks. No answer. She tries to open it. No luck again. There are no doorbells and no hosts to welcome her in. How do I get to this party? She keeps on walking around the house. Is there another way in? A door I haven't knocked on. She's getting a bit tired now. The wind is in her bones and she's wondering whether all this was worth it. She's still walking in the courtyard. Now she sees more people trying to get in. Some of them even join her. Let's walk together for a bit. Maybe we can find the door. They finally get a small door to open. But that's not where the party is. It's just a dark, moldy hallway. They walk down the hall, touching the cobbled walls. Is this the way to the party? They're not sure. They decide to follow the corridor. This is the only door that opened, so this must be the way, she thinks. There are more people in the hallway now. You're going the wrong way, somebody whispers to her. No, this is the way to go, another voice says. It's a long way to go. Many like you haven't made it, she hears. Someone has gone a bit further and tries to light the way. She keeps on walking. She feels the presence of others around her, but can't see them all the time. She knows why she's here and how it feels to be outside. I can't go back. I can hear music and chatter in the distance, but she's not there yet. She doesn't even know how and when she will get there, but she knows she will. That is why I'm here. She reaches a crossroad of hallways. Do I now go left or right? 
Where do all these paths lead? What if I'm going in, in circles? I wish I knew how others got, got to this party. People around her make their decisions and go their separate ways. She now needs to make her own. There is nobody to ask. She's certain there is no shortcut and there is no elevator. Thank you so much for reading that, Anna. It's beautiful to hear it from your own voice. I love hearing the stories um, by the author's voice. It makes such a difference. It does, surely does. It's good also to hear different accents and different emotions that come um, through those stories. Yes, uh, thank you again for sharing. So um, now, can you tell us a bit more about how you arrived to Australia? How was um, that uh, journey to come to the promised land? So I came to Australia in July 2016. I came completely on my own and didn't know anybody in Australia or in Melbourne. Um, it was a pretty scary adventure, to be honest. I wanted a career change and I also wanted to live abroad. So the timing was right and I was, I think, at the right age, at the right stage of my career to make this decision what's next for me and whether I would stay in my own country or go abroad. And um, I decided to give Australia a go and see how life will um, turn out here. Um, what I kind of thought is, you know, even if I don't find any friends or I don't find work in Australia or if I don't like it, at least I will have a degree from here because I, I came to career change and that meant also to um, go into, back to uni again. So I did Masters of Strategic Communications at La Trobe University and I wasn't worried about studying. So I knew that even if nothing else goes right in Australia, at least I'll get an Australian degree and that's something that would hopefully open some doors for me anywhere in the world. So that was kind of my thinking. Um, it was scary to come completely alone. People were telling me that I'm completely crazy, which... <laughs> which I, um, we're all crazy. Don't worry. We're all crazy coming here to Australia. Yeah. Um, I remember booking a room through Facebook and I remember giving a deposit, sending a deposit to somebody in Australia for a room and people were saying, um, do you know where you will sleep like the first night when your plane lands? Um, and I said how I booked this room through Facebook and people thought, oh, how do you know you won't get scammed or you won't end up on the street? But luckily I didn't and everything ter turned out okay. And I'm still here. You're still here. So how yeah. long have you been here now? Well, since uh, July 2016. So this year will be almost seven years. Yeah. That's yes, that's seven years <laughs> because it's so. I came in 2016, so I know it's seven years. Oh my god, it's seven yeah. years! So, yeah, well, thank you for sharing that. Your whole story is a big metaphor. Um, can you explain a little bit more about why you choose that specific figure of speech to tell your story? Um, that's an interesting question. I don't think I thought about it as a certain way of telling my story. I was just trying to find a way to explain to people outside of Australia how it felt to be new in Australia. And that image of, of a house and that image of trying to find the door in was kind of a symbol of my first years in Australia. And there's still moments when I still feel that way, to be honest, even after all these years here. Um, 
it was kind of a metaphor to explain that you are there, you've arrived, but you are not in. You're not part of maybe a circle or you haven't found the right work or you haven't found the right friends or people that you can genuinely connect with. Uh, maybe you're, I was single at the time, so I did feel lonely as well. And then um, it, I think it gave a lot of people that, that sense of, of just trying different paths and kind of seeing what works and what will get you where you feel you want to be and where you feel you need to be. I, I've shared a version of this story um, on my blog. Uh, I shared it in Serbian and I shared it on Facebook and people really reacted strongly to it. Um, they said that some of the people who um, read it said that they are not sure whether they would want to migrate to Australia after reading that. Some people connected it to more like personal life, while in my head it was more towards finding professional pathways. But people thought that I was speaking about finding friends, but it's actually kind of both. When I it think is, about it, it is, yeah. because um, coming to a new country, it's like finding that new place which could be a friend to or anything a new country it's the same kind of thing and I think that's why I felt very related to that story too because like you said when we come to a new country we it took me years look we have almost the same time here to find my community my group and I feel like I'm still opening doors because sometimes you open a door and you find a wall. So, yes, uh, and, and yeah, and you go hard on the wall. It hurts. It still hurts. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It still hurts. And still there are a lot of, I think, doors to open, to knock on. Um, but I think what I realize now after seven years is that, that we, are, we have to open our own doors and keep knocking, knocking on them and keep trying and... Yeah, we have to just be curious enough to see what's behind those doors. Yeah, no, um, that's true. And still, I think life is about that, you know. It's like um, fall, that um, thing about falling and getting up again. Yeah. It's literally the same thing. Um, so the sense of loneliness is, is huge in your story. Um, can you describe that feeling a bit more uh, as a migrant? Um I can speak about myself, but I think mm-hmm. you can sp- talk about your experience okay. and share it with everybody because I feel there will a lot of people will relate. Yeah. Well, I think when I came here, I never thought that I would be lonely because I think of myself as a really social person and I had huge, very, very large groups of friends back home. From, from work, from uni, from my neighbors and just different people that I met through life. And you know how when you plan something, like you plan to migrate and then you have all these concerns about maybe work or where I'm going to live or how uni is going to go. But I never thought about loneliness because I thought it can't happen to me because I thought, oh, I'm social, I'll meet people, uh, language is no barrier. I'm educated enough to know a, a bit about Australia before I come here. So I was pretty confident. And then it really hit me hard because um, I didn't expect it. I didn't thought it would be that hard to meet people and get into circles. Mentality in Serbia compared to Australia, that social circus is completely different in terms of that it's easier kind of to organize people and connect 
you connect kind of in a different way, I think. Serbians would, you know, invite you to their house. Maybe they met you once or twice. You were invited to their birthday parties. And if, if you connect, of course, and if you're on the same wavelength. While here, I feel like, you know, there's this kind of peeling of onion situation where you have to go through layers and layers and then you may or may not become close friends. And even that, like people playing coffees for three months in advance, which for me sometimes feels completely crazy. You know, there's, um, I'm used to my phone ringing on a Saturday, like to plan where we're gonna go out on a Saturday night, where here it doesn't happen here, I have to open my calendar. And then I'm like, what do I have this Saturday that I planned two months ago? So it's a kind of a different, less spontaneous, more planned socializing. And I remember in the, my first days and weeks here, months, I would call somebody to catch up and they would say things like that, let's, let's catch up in a month. And I remember thinking, oh, these people are so busy. I wonder what they do. <laughs> oh my God, I have the same feeling. And, and well, now uh, we can say that to everybody. We're friends and, and we do that now. But yeah. um, it's pretty bad. Like my partner, I do that. Like what can we do on Friday? And he's like, oh, you telling me now um, and it's a Wednesday but I'm like why do we need to plan so ahead we're yeah. not used to that I think I come from a culture where we don't do that to like you can come and, and knock in, on somebody's door so I get your feeling yeah it's it, it's different also culture like I was surprised that for me feeling of loneliness actually came when I realized that I live in a suburb for a while and that nobody says hi to me on the street and that was like in Serbia, there is no way that you would walk through your suburb where you live and that nobody would say hi to you because they would know you. At least the person where you go buy bread every day would say hi or things like that. So people connect quickly. And I thought that even I was so happy, like when the local people from the local cafe where I buy coffee used to tell me hi when they see me on the street or the guys when I buy my charcoal chicken, you know, yeah. things like that because they were like, oh my God. I feel now part of this community because on the street or you ran or you see people like from from the gym you know and on the street and then you're there they, they wave at you they say hi and I'm like oh I feel now like I'm part of this community yeah. because somebody tells you hi and in Serbia like you would go to the supermarket and you would stop every five minutes somebody would stop you hey good to see you chat a bit go to the next person you just so remind me of somebody at work my first job here he told me that if somebody knew his name at a coffee he wouldn't go again because he doesn't like people knowing so see that huge gap that we have that as i remember saying to him if somebody knows my name at a coffee shop i'm like oh great i'll go again and it's that huge gap and i you just remind me of that now um, and it's it's um, it's abysmal to see that we think so different from people from Australia. And he's born here, raised here, and he yeah. he gets scared of somebody knowing their name and saying hi to him by his name. Yeah, that's and we love that. Yeah, we love that because I think it gives you a sense of connection to the local community where you live. You feel like you're part of that. You feel like you belong. And um, those small things really, for me, make a difference. And another thing that I, in terms of loneliness, I realized when I came to Australia is that I miss sometimes the spontaneous street life that, that, that I was able to see back um, home. And not just 
in Serbia, but in general, I think the Mediterranean culture, there's a lot happening on the street. People would, you know, take chairs and desks and sit in front of their houses. People watching, commenting with the neighbors, you know, kids were playing soccer or tennis. Or there would be this, you know, somebody's washing their car, somebody's doing the laundry. So there's a lot of that spontaneous street life. And that's also how you connect with the neighbors. While here, I, I remember going, looking for rooms, going through different suburbs in the evening. And, uh, and I, all the shutters, blinds were down. There was nobody. I was thinking, it's only 6 p.m. Where are these people? <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> Why? It's like... And I was thinking, it's not even that cold. And then I remember talking to one Australian girl and she says, what do you want, Anna? It's winter, it's cold. We go to work, we come home, we watch Netflix. You will see us in summer. And then I laughed so much because she's like, it's cold. We don't want to go out in winter after 6 p.m. So, um, and for me... It's and it's not like it's snowing yeah. here. <laughs> it's not that cold. <laughs> you can go out. So that kind of, but then I realized that yeah, Australians sit in the backyard and everything is at the back, not at the front. While, of course, that gives you more privacy and everything, but it does kind of, you know, you don't get that spontaneous street life that you will get on the Mediterranean and in a lot of other countries. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I understand that completely. So um, do you feel now that you're part of the party or slash community? Party to refer to your book, but do you feel that now that you've been seven years? I, th I think you've touched a little bit on that, but... Yes, there are days when I feel that I'm not there yet. I just feel like I don't still know... I, don't, I still don't know that many people as I would like to um, and that my connections are still very limited. I, I try to meet more people. I try to go to networking events. Uh, but yeah, let's see. I, I feel that I've arrived to the party, but I don't know if I'm dancing yet or am I just standing on the side? You're still watching to <laughs> see who you... Yeah, who am I going to dance with? <laughs> no, that's a good analogy. I love it. Yeah. Um, no, I, I feel like, um, like you... Uh, back home, I was very social. And when I came yeah. here, I was like, I'm not going to have any problems. But again, it wasn't yeah, the case. It, it took, it, case. it takes a bit of time. Yeah. Um, so having said that, what advice would you give to a woman that wants to migrate to Australia um, or is planning to come soon? Well, I've, I've met women who, who came under different circumstances and I know we're all different and want different things in our life and day to day. But if I can give some piece of advice I think I would advise women to, you know, find their own work and find their own networks, regardless of whether they're coming with a partner who is from abroad and um, they um, come together or maybe they met an Australian and came because of him. Because I did come across women who come because of a partner and then they might end up living with his family in, in the outer suburbs. They don't work, immediately have kids and then their only activity is potentially, you know, their, their in-laws or their husbands take them to the local shopping center. And they, I feel that leads to isolation. I, I met I met women like that and I, if that's their choice, it's fine, but I'm not sure that it always is. So I, I would encourage people to, not just women, but people just to make connections and try to see what's out there. I think it's there's so much you can do and see in Melbourne that you don't need to be kind of limited to your only micro community 
where where you where you live just be curious about what this city and this country and the people that live here um have to offer yeah and i think we're um human beings we're not meant to be alone um so i think when you say that you think maybe they're all right with that i think nobody's actually all right for being alone and not having uh, their own space i think it's not healthy either um and now that we talk a lot about mental health it's good to yeah it's not healthy i agree um they might be scared you know there's a lot of people both men again and women migrants who don't speak the language well so maybe they feel safer within their own communities and you know they meet through maybe their partners or their parents uh, partners parents people who speak their own language so they feel like they have a community but i feel like limiting yourself only to a certain community in melbourne it's it has its downsides because you miss out then on so many other things that other cultures, communities, Australians that live here can offer and you can really have a really uh, rich life if you just decide that you want to get involved more. That's amazing advice. I advise, I, I back up that advice. <laughs> <laughs> so now to um, kind of close it, can you share three words to describe you and um, after your migration journey and what I mean with that is think about Anna seven years ago almost <laughs> how she was and now how she is uh, three words to describe you now oh can I give an explanation or just continue? yeah of course <laughs> of course we want explanation we want everything I think when when I left Serbia to come to Australia I thought there's no way I couldn't find any work in Australia because of my that I already had a master's degree in English language and literature and worked as a translator for more than 10 years so I I came pretty confident in my skills and I never worried about I was sure that I would be that would be so easy for me to come to find work as soon as I come here and then there were all these barriers you know you can't work as a translator because you um need to pass the native test or you can't work as a teacher because you don't have this so and there were all these, like I said, doors that you try to open, they're not opening. And, and I even applied for jobs like cleaning. And then they said, oh, but do you have a car? And I'm like, I just arrived here. I'm paying for my master's. I need to pay my rent. I don't have money to buy a car. Like at that time, there was just no way. And, and, and I remember sitting and thinking, I cannot believe that with all this education and all this um, practical experience, and all this life experience and skills that I can't get even a cleaning job in Australia. And that has really changed me in a way that nothing is given, you know. You you feel frustrated because you know you have a lot to give, but you feel like nobody sees it and nobody's giving you a chance. I also remember going to networking events and people would see me just, oh, you are an international student and would just like walk away. Like you, they're not even... That doesn't mean anything. Yeah. (laughs) They they kind of put you in this box while I actually wasn't just an international student. And there's nothing wrong with being an international student because the international students bring so many talents and so much knowledge. So I think that has changed me in a way that I think it shook up my confidence in a way that you, nothing is given. Mm, okay. Like nothing, just so I, that's what you've learned. Nothing is given. We can't put it in a word that though. <laughs> but it's, it, but it's, 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 I understand. And I think everybody's going to understand. Yeah. I yeah. think it's maybe, maybe it's a problem that I 
wasn't able to predict well or I was confident that I wouldn't have any, you know. But um, I never took into account how much employees here, for example, value Australian experience. And I never thought that not having Australian experience even in cleaning or retail would be a barrier because I thought people would see an educated person, an experienced person, somebody who's worked and studied all their life, but no. So So that's one, nothing is given. Nothing what would is be given, yeah. what would be two? Well, I think you need to open yourself to possibilities and I know it's a phrase get out of your comfort zone, but because I was so lonely and I, I one Friday night I didn't have any plans. Second Friday night no plans. Saturday comes you have where, what am I gonna do? Then, for example, I, I joined dating apps because I was single and I thought, how do I even meet people in this country? How do I even go out? So I think I thought of myself as too old to be on dating mm -hmm. apps. I thought it was for, you know, younger crowds and people that are more casual and, you know, looking for different things. But then I had to actually push myself because I thought if I don't go on a dating app, I will never meet anybody and I will spend every Friday and Saturday sitting and watching Netflix Netflix yeah. so I guess you have I think you have to be you know feel, feel scared but still do it so get out of your comfort zone and number three yeah to be open to, for change okay I think because we didn't like I grew up in a country that doesn't offer some possibilities for example I would never think here to look in my local council for help like finding jobs or, you know, CVs or something, because I never had that in Serbia, that those services don't exist in that form. So sometimes I don't even, I think that we, as migrants, because we don't have something in our home country, we don't know or don't even, can't even think about what we can have here as help for free. Yeah. So I think kind of thinking, okay, what else what can I do with the resources that I have and with the people I know? Because sometimes I feel like we don't even know what's, um, what's available to yeah. us because we never had it at home. We don't even think it's possible. I think in Australia we do have options. We just need to be aware of them. So get informed. Get informed and ask for help. And ask for, don't yeah. be scared to ask for help. Yes. Love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Anna. Uh, thank you for being here and sharing all those stories and the knowledge and the advice. Thank you, Lena, for having me. It's great um, to be your guest and I look forward to hearing um, more stories from professional migrant women. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Undefeated podcast with your host, Taylor, Catalina, Lorena, We hope this podcast somehow provides you with the guidance and the courage that you are looking for at any point in your migrant journey. We have included some links in the show notes that we hope may be useful if you are facing any type of hardship or if you would like to connect with the wider community. That's it for today. Stay tuned for our next episode. Music by Naela Music. Edited by Catalina Neira, Taylor Tran, Lorena Duranton, graphic design by Lina Orozco.